0: everybody welcome back to bad boys bad boys podcast we're so excited that you're here all you crime fans out there so today is our second episode this is the continuation of last week's story with my dad chris um he is telling a story about a dismembered body and i know you guys were all on the edge of your seats as i made you guys end last week's episode but i kind of want to um set the scene for you guys here for just a second kind of where we're at We are at my dad's office at UVU, which is Utah Valley University College in Utah. We are sitting in a very small office. I've got my podcast guru over here, Blake. He is awesome. I just wanted to kind of set the scene for you guys here. Me and my dad are sitting here just chatting back and forth. It is a really crazy story. People think that Utah is... Utah is overall normally a very safe state, right, Dad? Like, oh, absolutely. It's a great place to live, raise your family. It's overall a very safe state. But I think your general population doesn't understand that a lot of crap still happens here. Just because crap happens here just like it happens in New York or Chicago, right?
1: We have a lot of really good people in Utah, but like anything else, there is evil among us, and that's yeah. the sad part.
0: Yep, that is really sad. So, anyway, we're going to jump back into this story because, you guys, I have not heard this story. I'm hearing this along with you guys for the first time. So, we want to go back. If you, this is your first time listening to this, you need to go back to the first episode because you're going to be so lost. So, go back to the first episode. But we're going to kind of get back into it. So, Dad, the last thing we were talking about is after these guys, the two biker guys, and the one kid that had helped them pick I, up not know. I don't know what to call
1: him. <laughs> He he wasn't really an accomplice but he was he was just kinda there. Yeah. And he was a witness and he was traumatized because he knew that if he said anything that he would be a victim too. Yeah. And he had now he's he's their driver. So they've 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 dismembered the body. Now they've disposed of the body. They just threw it out off the side of the road. And now they've driven up to a bar in, in Evanston, Wyoming. And they're yeah, because the
0: biker dude's like, let's go get a drink. So they're heading yeah, to they're, the bar. <laughs>
1: they really don't care. For them, it's a kind of an everyday deal. Jeez. So they go and they, they have a few drinks. And then they, uh, they know that this kid is scared to death. He won't drink. He doesn't want to get stopped by the highway patrol or, or anybody on the way back down driving down I-80 because he's you know he's afraid. He's just terrified of these guys of, of what could happen. So he he doesn't drink. They have a few beers and then they says okay let's 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 head back to Salt Lake. So they get back in the truck and they start to go down and as they driving down the the road they can hear something in the back of the in the bed of the truck and one guy says pull over pull over the freeway for a second he says you know what, what what's what's making that noise back there well he reaches back in the truck and they've you know where they had dismembered this man's body and had put it into the duffel bag they forgot his head
0: oh. oh his head was
1: still in the duffel bag and it was kind of rolling around in, in the bed of the truck that's horrible yeah well you got to understand this is this is not a really good group of people before so they're they, used
0: to this okay. kind of thing. Again, it's an everyday thing to kill somebody and have heads rolling around. I
1: don't. I don't know if it's an everyday <laughs> thing for him. At least I sure hope not. Jeez. So they. He he grabs the duffel bag and with the head inside, he climbs back in the cab of the truck. Now remember this this poor traumatized kid that's driving. He's he's later. This was this was many many months later. He's finally you know able to tell us his side of the story. Oh my gosh. And again, there's no names involved. The the case is pretty much it, it, it's kind of a cold dead case now it's the, it's you know it's not going to go anywhere anyway they um, as they're driving down I-80 they get to the exit just before Echo Reservoir and these biker guys tell him to pull over go around over by the reservoir and as they get out um, he, they, they order him to stop the truck they get out and they take the bag out and they very cruelly take the bag and just bash it against the rocks a few times. There's some big boulders there along the side of the, the lake so people don't drive off. And then they load a bunch of rocks into the bag and they, they, one of the guys walks out on the on the dam and just heaves it out into the, into the deep water.
0: What, what would be the point of them smashing his head in the bag against the rocks? What's the point of that?
1: Again, they're traumatizing the, the, their witness. He, oh he has seen gosh. so much today. He's, he watched them shoot this guy. They watched him dismember him. They watched him throw his body up uh, along the side of the road. They're traumatizing this poor guy. And, it is, again, this is just part of their traumatiz- traumatization of this, this poor guy. Jeez. They take him out, and then they, you know, he's, he has witnessed everything. And they've told him, you say anything, the same thing's going to happen to you. Well, after watching that, of course you're going to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. And you know that they're capable of doing what they've done because you just witnessed it. So.
0: And they're kind of doing nonchalantly, like, eh.
1: Yeah, like it's no big deal to them because obviously it wasn't a big deal to them. Right. So they get back into the truck after they've they've thrown it out in the middle of the, you know, as far as they could chuck it out in the lake, and rocks in it, and it just sinks down to the bottom. Um, and, you know, the lake is full of fish and crawdads and different things that will help over over time you know lose the tissue and stuff off off of whatever ended up down in there this was one of the parts that we actually never never did recover on the body and it was even though we knew where it was it was just it was never to the point that we were able to to search for it and find it
0: well and after a year like you said it's fish bait I mean unfortunately
1: so uh, and again now now several months has passed now we're finding this body and we're putting it together. And again, we're, we're trying to piece all this together. And the reason I'm, I'm jumping to this point is now we have actually learned what's gone on. But during the interim, there's there's several months that we have no idea. But obviously we don't know because we hadn't found the body yet. So this guy who was the witness and the female who was the witness and victim kind of because she was the one that's involved in the sex trade, they are running drugs. They're running dope for these guys. And they have a large amount of methamphetamine. And they come down Provo Canyon and they stop at Canyon Glen there in Provo Canyon. Well, good deputies of Utah County, they want to know why somebody's pulled over there at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and, good job, Utah
0: County. <laughs> you know, deputies
1: go out and, and do a great job and they, they find these two. And obviously these two are just... Tweaked out of their minds. They're, they're high on meth. They get them out. The deputy calls for backup. Another deputy gets up there and they, they, you know, obviously they're under the influence of drugs. They arrest them, search the car, and they find it was a large amount. I want to say 13 ounces, but I don't know if it was that much. I can't remember the exact number. But it was, a, it was a large amount of methamphetamine, a lot, so, of, money, a lot of money involved at this point.
0: Okay, so explain to some of us that don't. I mean, I only know a little bit about the drugs because I've talked to so many cops. But explain what 13 ounces is and how much do people use to get high.
1: Well, 13 ounces is just under a pound. <clears throat> and they sell methamphetamine in <laughs> tenths of grams, a gram, of, you know. Really? A, I mean, if you, if you have an ounce, you're a, you're a dealer. So, you know, to have 13 wow. ounces is, a, is an awful lot. And it's it's a lot of money.
0: What's the street value do you uh, think?
1: Anymore, I can't even tell you. It's you know, maybe maybe hundred and twenty five dollars a gram. Oh my um, god. You know, twenty seven grams per ounce. So I mean it it becomes
0: a few hundred you know, thousand. It's a lot of
1: money. I mean, most people now have watched Breaking Bad. Great <laughs> show. <You know, Rachel.
0: laughs>
1: uh, I'll tell you what, breaking bad is exactly what it is. It's
0: pretty spot on. It
1: it was, you know, I mean to the point that some of the actors were even threatened by the drug cartel that they needed to stop the, the not only the actors but the the producers because it was exactly what it is and these people are producing hundreds and hundreds of pounds of methamphetamine and it's getting into our uh, into our system so sad Anyway it's uh, back back to my story Yeah sorry I had I had you, to get
0: on there and talk about the drugs just so people understand <laughs> Okay we understand so, the drugs <laughs> So the
1: deputies do a great job here in Utah County, they, they they make a good arrest, solid case, to the point that both of these ended up, people go to prison. They've got criminal backgrounds, they've got enough, this is this is a huge load that they're running, and Utah County Attorney's Office hammered the daylights out of them, and they ended up getting prison time, which was fantastic, you know? So as things go on, we come into our case the next spring when we find this body, and we start Going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and something leads us clear out to Vernal.
0: Vernal. Vernal,
1: Utah. <laughs> so we go out to Vernal.
0: So that's about three hours away from Salt Lake, right? To Correct.
1: the basically to three the west, hours or to the east, to the east. To the okay. East. You go out Highway Forty, and it takes you right out to Vernal. Okay. A lot of methamphetamine out there because there's the the oil field. Guys are working 20, 26 hour shifts, and they start using meth to stay awake. Jeez. And they last for a few years, then it destroys them. They lose their jobs, they lose their careers, and and you know it, it it's just a it's a nasty drug all the way around. Anyway, we get out to Vernal, we meet with uh, some of the guys from uh, Vernal City Police Department and Uinta County Sheriff's Department. Tell them what we're doing, and we have an address that's out there, and they're like, "If you can get us in that house, we will love you forever." And we said, "Well, we're working a a dead body case," and they're like, "Wow, that sounds kind of weird." So one of the detectives rides out with me and, and my partner, Tommy. Tommy and I go out there and uh, great for us. We walk up on the doorstep. The front door there's a screen door and the front door's wide open. We're racking on the door, rack, 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 rack. Nothing. Nobody comes to the door. And the porch goes along right under a, a, a big window. And I walk over to look in the window. We're trying to find somebody and lo and behold, there's a big bag of marijuana and a pipe sitting right there in plain view, standing on the porch. <laughs> So we take a picture Bingo. of it, <laughs> tell our, our friends from Uinta County, and within minutes, they have a, a warrant signed by a judge to get in that house. Nice. I mean, pretty obvious. Um, they get several of their members of their task force, and we run in there. and turned out to be a fantastic drug hit for those guys. They got a lot of dope.
0: Nice. Well,
1: one of the people we wanted to talk to was in there, and they, they were taking people to jail. They were doing search warrant. They recovered drugs, stolen guns, stolen, um, all kinds of stolen equipment that were, you know, had been stolen from people there in Union County and Duchesne County. I mean, they, they cleared up a lot of cases with that search warrant. Wow. And uh, nice. again, ha- how little oddball things happen is, you know, how law enforcement works. I mean, we're coming in from Summit County. We're, you know, we have no clue what's going on, but yet because of what we're doing on a homicide case, they clear all these drug cases and stolen property cases. So it works out very well for all of us when we work together. So we get a hold of one of the people that's in the house who gets arrested for all of the stolen property and the drugs and everything else. They find not only the marijuana that's sitting on the table, they get a bunch of methamphetamine and, and things along that so everybody goes to jail. They finish the warrant. Well, Tommy and I want to interview this one person. We get over to the jail, and he's very tight-lipped. He doesn't want to say boo to us. And we just tell him, "Well, okay, I guess the you know all of our fingers are pointing at you for the homicide." Uh-huh. And as soon as he did that, he freaked out. He goes, "That's not me. That's not me. It's so and so." Well, who's so and so? He's like he's in he's in state prison. Oh, like state prison and. Why would he be involved with the homicide? He said, "Oh, they just, he got arrested in Utah County, and they just put him in, in the prison." So recently,
0: he had gone to the point. This had happened
1: from the 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 time that the man was murdered to the time he was found. Like I said, we're talking almost almost a year, ten months, a, a, a time period. So during this ten months, our two witnesses of the homicide had both been arrested by Utah County, and were incarcerated, and now. Had been sentenced to prison so they're sitting up at the state prison Jeez. so we get up to state prison we go in and different different detectives go to interview him again like I said from the beginning we had a sergeant that's putting this case together so he's trying to get different detectives to do different things because everybody has a strong point so he sends a couple of different detectives down there and this guy is freaking out he does not want to talk to the detectives he's scared he's because of what he's witnessed he knows that you know something's going to go bad, but he spills his his guts on the female, and we had not got a name yet until now. Now all of a sudden we get a name and find out that she's also incarcerated. Jeez. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say we finally got a name because we had the name, but we were trying to piece everything together, and he was able to connect the dots for us. And the detectives were trying to interview him. Came back to the office, they decided to. Try and go interview the female tomorrow. So we get one of our female detectives, and and another male detective, and they go down and pull her aside. Well, as they get to the prison, um, one of the matrons in the in the women's side come over and says, "Look, this gal is whacked out of her mind. She is on so many meds because she is she's psycho. There's something wrong with her."
0: So maybe like a mental situation. Yeah, okay, something maybe a Utah State mental. Situation. Something along that
1: line. <laughs> okay. Well, they go in and they, they try to interview her, and the second they start talking to her, she freaks out. She is just blacked out of her gourd. We'll come to find out if she is not taking her meds. And So that's why she was acting because she
0: was not taking the appropriate meds. Okay.
1: And so they finally, the, the detective says, we can't interview her until she's on her medication so they can actually talk to her. So over the course of the next few days, excuse me the the crime lab or excuse me the the people at the state prison they're they're wonderful guys and gals in law enforcement that that is a, an untapped source oh, for man. for people to, to help with with information anyway they are able to get her on her meds force they have to force medicate her but she she gets on her meds and they finally get in and, and get the opportunity to interview her and they interview her and she cries and screams and can't talk straight but she Muddles through basically what had happened to this man, and the location was exactly where we had had figured. Everything, everything was was now coming together, and piece by piece by piece by piece, we were we were able to put all this together. Well, now we go back and interview the other man the other guy that's in prison, and he now is corroborating her story. He doesn't know we've talked to her. We don't know what, what she said, mm-hmm. but we just finally are able to figure out the the whole case here anyway the long story short is this thing just took many 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 months to come to a closure we did search warrants all over Salt Lake County we helped you in a county out there in the basin.
0: my gosh this thing' dragged through Utah
1: you know it was well it it was it was a tough case we ended up going down to Salt Lake we uh, we interviewed more people in Salt Lake and it was Trying to chase these guys down that are bikers are, I mean, they're, they have no place to live, they're, you know, they're bikers, they're, they're, they're gangsters, they, they live a different world than, than we do. We finally were able to get a couple of names and things just never surfaced where we could actually find these, these guys to interview them. One was actually incarcerated in, I I can't remember if it was Davis County or Weber County, and One of the, in fact, I think the the, uh, our sergeant that was over the case, I think he wanted to actually go do an interview. And I think he took one of the other detectives and they went down to to talk to this guy. He knew, he, you know, completely, you know, knows the game. And they went in to to interview him, to talk to him. And it was basically a giant middle finger in their face. I don't have to talk to you. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it kind of soured the case a little bit because... He was already in custody he was going back to prison he was going to be he's going to be facing some some heavy duty time for his role in something else you know not related to the homicide and long story short they uh after all of this and like i said the sergeant had put together two huge orange boxes full of evidence that pointed to this man that he'd tried to interview and another biker they got his name and, and everything both of them were in custody. Both of them were going to back to the state prison. And so they took the case down to the Salt Lake County Attorney's Office. And he went in and, and presented the case to him, And they just kind of looked at him and said, you know, it's kind of a victimless crime. The guy's <gasps> dead. They were just kind of, you know. And they kind of they kind of just kind of blew us off. Oh, my god. And we were like. You know, when when the sergeant came back and told us about this, we were like, "Are you kidding? We just busted our butt for the last several months yeah. trying to put this case together, and you know, we want some closure for the family." And That's they were appalling. like, "They were like, you know, we are so busy. We've got so many cases we're you know we're working. You know, we've got them on all these other charges. They're going to be going back to prison for you know who knows. They may even die in prison because they're, you know, these are older biker bike gangsters. They're you know." You know they they made up a lot of excuses, and it was it was kind of sad and very disheartening, you know, for us because we were representing the family now because we're trying to put this case together so this family can say, hey, our our loved one was murdered, and the cops put together a good case, and you know they
0: received justice. They, they, they
1: wanted justice out of it. Yeah. And, you know, the county attorney's office, you know, shook the sergeant's hand, said you've presented a great case, but. You know we're gonna have to decline to prosecute on it because of you know, uh, and I don't know. I don't know. There may have been more to it, <sighs> but you know he comes back and he's just bringing his orange boxes back to the office and like what happened? You know we're all excited going hey, yeah you know what you know we're gonna get warrants on these guys and then he just says case is done we're done we've done we've done what we could.
0: Oh my gosh, and that's so, sad for you guys to just like walk away like hands in the air like I just worked my ass off for all this and
1: well. It, but you have to understand uh, there's there's things that, that sometimes we don't understand how the prosecutors have to look at things right. and 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 theirs is a different world they they work their butts off too it's not like they just sit around and do nothing but sometimes in in the cops mind we get mad and we we get fresh and we're like you know how dare they not prosecute <laughs> this case and you know we have we I've been in, in lots of meetings with county attorney's offices, you know, in, in Utah County, Summit County, Wasatch County, with cases. And I've, I've been in screaming matches with, with attorneys. The problem is they are, they are the ones that have to make the final choice. No matter how hard I work on a case, it can get tossed by an attorney. And they're like, sorry, we don't have enough. Or, you know, you need to dig a little deeper. You know with great case but you know it just doesn't quite fit what we're doing right now and i kind of felt like that's that's what happened with this case is they were so busy you know you got another agency from another county coming in trying to add more work to their workload and and salt lake county is a busy place don't get me wrong those those guys at their attorney's office they're hard hard workers and i'm not i'm not taking anything away from anybody but it was frustrating for us to work this case and did everything we th- we thought we were connecting the dots, and we did. Like I said, the, you know, for as many search warrants and as many things, the sergeant that had this case, he pieced together an awesome case. And you know, if I would if I had been an attorney, I, who knows? I'd have said to heavens, yes, let's, let's handle <laughs> the daylights out of these guys. Let's get them. let you know. you also have the cop <laughs> mentality too. I do. So. <laughs> And there's a lot of uh, the, the prosecuting attorneys over at the county attorney's office that have got that cop attitude. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, I mean, when I worked narcotics in Utah County, I mean, we had a county attorney that was just a great guy. I mean, he would come out on our search warrants with us. He would help us. He would come to our briefings. He wanted to know everything that was going on. Wow. And he's fantastic. And he's still out the county attorney's office. And I still can call him. I've, I've got him his number in my phone. And it's like, hey, I've got this. You know, what do you think? And he's always there for great advice. And that's what we have to realize is, is they're on our team too. You know, we're just the enforcers. They're the ones that have to go through and prosecute and, and make sure that the dots that we've connected now connect to the dots that they, they need to have to prosecute someone in a court of law. Right, And it is. It's, it, it, I, I don't want to call it a game, but it kind of is. It's like a giant chess match. And you have to be able to maneuver everything properly some cases are great they're easy you put them together you slam it you know you high-five each other and go okay great case <laughs> and the county attorney calls you and say you screwed up so bad because you didn't do this this and this and you look at each other and go, and oh crap." <laughs> but the county attorney says we can fix it you've got to go back and make sure you do this this and this and you know he's not and they're always telling you do not lie don't falsify anything you know make sure you do things right and it's like, okay, it's a learning curve. Right. And that's why this is why sometimes, you know, you've got these younger officers that are you know, they're full of piss and vinegar and they, they wanna go out and tear everything up. And then you've got the seasoned guy that's standing there going, Wait a minute. You gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. Why, 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 why? And he's like, Because I'm older, I'm wiser, and I've had my butt chewed by the county attorney's office more than you have. <laughs> So if you want to avoid that, so listen to if me you want if you want to do things right you need to make sure and dot your i's cross your t's and make sure you do it right and and, and this is especially in today's world you know it, it's hard enough to put a criminal away now anymore because you know the, the prisons are overcrowded the people don't want don't like cops anymore like you you talked about earlier you know they you know, we're the, we're, we're the necessary evil in the world. But the thing is, if, if people wanna really see um, chaos, take your police officers off the streets for a week. We are, in all honesty, we are so blessed to live in the United States. Most of the men and women in law enforcement are very strong, incredible, honest people that wanna go out and serve their communities. Like I said, I taught the police academy for for over 20 years I, I've seen a lot of really good men and women come through that have gone out and done great jobs for their communities. Um, I've, I've had the opportunity to put officers that I have taught in different states: um, New Mexico, Nevada, Idaho, Wyoming, all over the state of Utah, from from Saint George, clear up to you know uh, Logan, mm-hmm. and you know out to Tooele County, out to U.N.A. County. I, you know, I I've known so many law enforcement people that have had the opportunity to teach and they go and do the job because they want to do what's right for the community. And it's a tough job, you know, there are days people, you know. Christmas time's fun. You know, you go around at Christmas time and I know so many officers that get involved with with going out and, and going to Walmart and helping the kids with Shop at the cop. cop, yeah. You know, I've, I've seen officers that will go buy people Christmas dinner. I've seen them do great things.
0: And they're doing all this on a cop's salary, you guys. Yeah, they do. And it, cops know, don't make that much money. <laughs>
1: you know, if you want, if you want to get a, a job for eighteen bucks an hour to get people to scream and yell at you and call you every kind of name there is, and then try and live off that, <laughs> great job. Just, just come and join. <laughs> you know, I wish, Sign I me wish, up. <clears throat> I wish more agencies, and a lot of agencies pay very good. Don't get me wrong. I mean. You know I, i'm I'm joking a little bit about the 18 dollars, but some agencies still pay th- those low wages because they live in communities that people don't care for for law enforcement. Because um, the other
0: ca- other counties or cities are seeing the, the value in their police officers where
1: I know there's a lot of cities that pay very well, yeah. because they know and they take care of their officers. They might not be able to pay them as much as they would like to. But they treat them well. They give them good benefits, and they and they take care of them in in different ways. So, you know, being involved in law enforcement, it's a it's a great career. It's a great job. If if anybody listening to this podcast wants to get involved, you know there are ways to do it. There's you know we want good people. If you have a clean background, meaning you don't have any felony arrests, um, and and law enforcement is is a job you want to do, check into it. Find somebody that you know, or, or you know, go go talk to your local uh, a police officer, in your local agency, or sheriff's deputy, or you know, state trooper. Um, Highway patrol is is a great agency. Most of the sheriff's departments are really good. They have so many different things. Your your city cops, or you know, there a lot of the agencies are looking for people. If you're ambitious and want to do something different.
0: We're low on cops around here. There's a lot of cities that are down a lot of deputies. There's there's or a lot of not just even deputies, but just everywhere. cops. Everywhere. Like I yeah. said,
1: you know, we're down we're down the, the states down troopers. Most counties are down deputies and most cities are down officers. Yeah. So there are plenty of openings with with most of your law enforcement agencies around the state. Um, they're looking for good men and women that want to go out and serve their communities. And like I said, if you got a good criminal clean criminal background and you want something where you can have a lot of fun you're not going to make a lot of money but you're going to have a steady job
0: all right well thank you dad for interviewing with me i'm so excited to get this podcast going i'm so so excited to interview a bunch more of my dad's friends and local buddies around here um there's,
1: there's, there's so many good guys here in utah county There's some great stories to be heard.
0: Well, that's what we hope to bring to you guys is more funny stories, scary stories, just anything on the job stories. So thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you guys next week.